business of Cambridge. Series 1, Episode 4, in which Sue Keogh explores the business of branding with representatives from two iconic local institutions, the University Arms and the former Anglia Ruskin University, now AIU. Hi, welcome to the Business of Cambridge. I'm Sue Keogh and in today's show we're talking about how you build a brand. What does that actually mean? Is it more than just a logo? And how can you do it successfully? I'm joined by two people today who've got lots of experience to share on this topic. Ian James, welcome to the show. Hello Sue. So you're General Manager of University Arms, which reopened in 2018 after a beautiful £80 million renovation project. And it's such a beautiful, elegant environment. What kind of emotions do you want people to feel when they first walk in? Well, when we opened the, the hotel, obviously it had been closed for four years. It was a little bit unloved. You know, Cambridge is this beautiful city and we really wanted to just give this hotel back to Cambridge and through the refurbishment that we've completed, we think we've done that. And then also with me today, we have Sally Webster, Head of Marketing and Brand for ARU. So you've just been through this really big rebranding process. Can you just tell me a bit about what the brand looks like? What's the bird in the centre of it? Yeah, this is a really significant project for ARU. We realised over the last couple of years that we didn't really have the profile that we wanted or deserved, probably, uh, regionally or nationally, maybe also internationally. So we embarked on this chunky project, really, to rebrand the university and it's more than just an uplift in the brand and a tweak it's actually kind of a full rebrand with a different name and a new logo and you've picked up on the bird yeah we wanted to retain the element of the logo the original logo which was a crest quite heraldic looking and a bit maybe a bit old-fashioned and for us that was the heron and also the crown so we reimagined them as a kind of very forward-thinking single-line drawing brand mark quite modern looking and really reflecting more of what the university is about today. Yeah, it's a really, really strong look when it I saw is, that when it, yeah. when you when was it that you rebranded? Well this is about kind of eighteen months in the process. Right. Doing all of the research for the rebrand was, you know, a really significant piece of work and you have to do that properly. We launched internally first because that's really important, I think, to get our staff and students with us on the journey. And then we really got into market at the beginning of July, which was a crucial period for us because we recruit quite heavily in the clearing period after students have got their A-level results. So we, we were in market by 1st of July. So it's, it was actually a lot of work in a very small space of time, but it's been exciting. I think you find that whatever scale of project it is, don't you? So, yeah. so for you, Ian, it wasn't just the brand, it wasn't just a logo and everything. You knocked down in front of the building. <laughs> uh, so when did all the planning for this start? Yeah, it was quite interesting. 2012 is when the owners acquired it from Devere Hotels. The 1960s concrete facade was not the best, but hey, concrete was all the rage in the 1960s. Yes, there was a fire. I don't think both are linked, but between 2014 and then 2018, they basically took the whole hotel to the ground. When the hotel closed, we were 119 bedrooms. We are now 192 bedrooms. But they also knew that Cambridge doesn't have a five-star hotel. You know, they had one chance to get this right. And they brought in two key players. John Simpson, the architect, he had already done some work at Peterhouse, as well as on Buckingham Palace and several other projects. And also they brought in Martin Brzezinski, the interior designer. He had already completed works on Miami Soho House and, and the original Ivy in London. And then, of course, we also then had our hotel partner, which is the Autograph Collection, which is Marriott. 
and we are University Arms, that's the hotel side, and then we're Parkers Tavern. So we've kind of split the brand or even the vision into two. You know, we didn't want to then just become oh, another Marriott Hotel or another Hilton opening. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. I worked for Hilton for 12 years, but had to take my corporate hat off. So we decided the name University Arms. We very quickly decided on the branding, the colour, and then we did the same with Parker's Tavern. And Parker's Tavern is anything that hits food and beverage. The library, the bar, the restaurant, events, room service. And that's kind of uh, been completed by my, my colleague, Tristan Welch, who's the, the chef patron. So he kind of touches his, his menus, that's what he wants to do. And then I kind of look after the hotel side. But they're both together but they've both completely got different different identities. And can I ask you both about, um, let's get straight in and ask about colour schemes and typography and all that kind of thing. So how is that with the ARU brand? How would you describe the shades? Like a midnight blue, is it? Yeah, it's a, it's a rich blue. A big part of this process was, was to create a much more standout CVI. That stands for Corporate Visual Identity, as everyone I'm sure will know. It was about creating a much bolder and punchier look so that it's much more recognisable. Our old brand, the crest and the the blue and the gold were much more muted colours and it didn't really suit us anymore. So yeah, we've developed those into this much richer, saturated um, blue and yellow that really pops. Well, it, it, it's amazing because we're also blue and yellow. Maybe different colour pantones, <laughs> but we, we've got a Cambridge blue yeah. and, and Parker's Tavern is almost kind of this rich, dark burnt orange. So it, it's, it's quite interesting that we've almost got exactly the same yeah, colours yeah. as well on a, on a rebrand probably almost a year or so, 18 months to go together. Yeah. And so um, it's interesting with ARU being in competition effectively with another university that a couple of people have heard of down the road. Yeah. Um, I don't so know how does that yeah, kind of impact Yeah, we're probably decisions. not in competition with the University of Cambridge. They're not one of our direct competitors you know, within our competitor set, that, which means basically where students are applying to study. We've got other competitors. But yeah, we wanted to stand out for our own benefit, really, in the, in the sector and be who we are. I think it's really important as well with universities effectively being businesses nowadays that you've got to think about this right from from the beginning and making sure that it makes you really distinct from from other people. So was that a big part of the discussions early on, do you think? Yeah, there's a discussion in the sector between differentiation and distinctiveness. And it's probably very, maybe very similar in in hotels and your kind of area, Ian. But it's very difficult for universities to actually be distinct because essentially we're all offering the same product. We all teach students and we all do research. We all want students to have a great student experience and go off and be happy graduates in fulfilling careers. So with the exception of a few universities, it's probably difficult globally to say that any universities are distinct. There's probably a few that we can all mention. So it's actually about looking for those elements of differentiation, what you do that is different to everybody else, why your experience is different. And I think the 12 to 18 months of research that we did was all about finding those points of differentiation and what makes ARU special. And um, and with the university arms, you were saying that you've got is it five brands altogether, really? So how did you develop the colour palette to make sure they all kind of contrasted, but they all work together yeah. as well? So right at the beginning, Sue, we, we looked at four elements of our branding between both University Arms and Parker's Tavern. So we, we looked at our identity, first of all. What are we going to be going out into the market? We looked at our visual world. So what did we want to do to, to when people looked at us, how we were going to be defined? We then looked at engagement as well as positioning ourselves 
in the new market because obviously when we closed for four years we had to re-establish ourselves you know we had to look at our aspiration you know what is our character our personality you know a vision and that was all around books so we've created a, a library and you know books come from the, the embedding of knowledge so we've got a crest which again was all around in the, in the 1800s when the university press came in. We've taken that kind of crest. So every touch point you have in the hotel is to do with books. So when we ha- then had a look at our, our visual elements, so looked at our, our colour palette, we took inspiration of the colleges and their oxidised blue and that Cambridge blue. So all of a sudden, you know, I know it looks a little green, our colour, but it is actually a Cambridge blue. And that's the university arms. So that's the hotel side. Tristan then wanted a, maybe a little bit more warmth. So, so, so wanted this burnt orange and, and black. And that's what then has come out on, on Parker's Tavern. And anything that we then had a look at from our typeface, you know, we wanted something that was kind of traditional and in in keeping to what the hotel is now. So we've gone for a Baskerville typeface, which again, we just think it's in keeping with the rest of the element. Because when you come into the University Arms, we're not a shiny new hotel. Well, we are a shiny new hotel, but we're not a, what I call a a corporate hotel. There's elements of like an Edwardian style when you come in. So when you go up to the bathrooms, we've got lovely marble basins and then the wrought iron, which are kind of a a gold colour. The modern side is the underfloor heating and and the, the mirrors, but everything else is quite an Edwardian style building. I must say, uh, one of the things that first leapt out at me when when you reopened was the typography and the menus. I love looking at menus and seeing how they were written. And it's really, you've even extended this down to the names of the dishes and any of the copy that you see everywhere. Was was a lot of thought put into that as well? You know, we we needed consistency all the way through. So, you know, we needed to make sure that all the typeface was all exactly the same, even on our emails. So, you know, we said, look, you you had to have Baskerville, you had to have a 10.5 font, and that's the standard you put in, and that's what's got to be followed. Can't be deviated, because then all of a sudden you you confuse what you're you're trying to do. So with Tristan and his menus, you know, the first thing Tristan wanted to do, and he's a local lad, he's from Cambridgeshire, um, kind of come back to his his roots from being in London and and, and in in Scotland. So he then came back and really wanted to make sure he was using local produce, and his menus were around local dishes which again vitally important and you know he's progressed that even more now with rubbish cooks and that happens once a month on a Monday and he basically gets food that's going to be kind of thrown away and creates a menu and again the typeface is all the same so as you go forward between the summer the winter menus you know the seasonality it's exactly the same standard as, as, as you go through. And so with ARU, you were saying about how you looked into, I suppose, the sort of personality of the university and, and the brand reflects that. So yeah. what, what is it about the, uh, the look and feel of the logo and the branding that you feel says something about ARU? Yeah, I mean, one of the important things for us was to capture something that no other university in the UK or maybe globally had done. We, we really wanted to stand out. And actually, at first glance, it might really not look like a university brand. We chose a font that no one else has. It's called Raison. It's bespoke to us. Um, it's not a Google font. So we have to be careful in terms of accessibility that we're not making it unreadable. So we use Raison in our marketing and advertising, but only in a large font on a very strong colourway between the yellow and the blue. So it, it is very readable. And then under that, we use a Google font called Railway. So yeah, the font was a key part of it, as was the colourway and the heron. But for me, 
corporate visual identity is kind of just the icing on the cake. Anybody can rebrand and create a great new look and feel and plonk it on the top of all their marketing and their channels. But it, it has resonance, I think, if it's based in authenticity. So the research that you need to do beforehand is so vital because it actually, and if you can get a third party to do that for you, it's even better because people often don't like to tell you what they don't like to your face. So I think it's all about kind of getting to the essence of your brand, what you actually mean to people and what people really do think. Because brand is not complicated. It's simply what people say about you or what people think about you. So if you can get to the essence of that and then imagine it in your look and feel, your identity, you've, you've captured something quite special. For us, it was about, for our students especially, it's about not, it doesn't really matter where you've been or what you did beforehand it's it's us seeing the potential in you and you having something that you really want to give so our students come to us maybe not with the best day level results but with a real passion to make a change in the world and there's almost this two-part process that we see going on where students want to challenge themselves and create something at university and do something with their lives find their voice often for the first time and then in turn take that out into the world and go and make a difference whether it's as a nurse whether it's as a ethical business person or lawyer or um, an engineer one of those things so we, we tried to capture that in in the brand the look and the feel and also the the narrative underneath it all and very strongly I think we've helped we've enabled people to co-create the brand with us so it's about students capturing that spirit and telling their stories and us making our channels available for them to tell their stories it's not about us kind of imposing a marketing brand onto the university it's actually kind of come from the roots up and I think those are the best brands for me. And what about uh, the kind of response you had? So two things I notice when people undergo rebrand. One is that lots of people are really attached to it and they feel a bit reluctant to see it change. And then secondly, everyone loves to moan about new logos. <laughs> so I remember when, <laughs> yeah. uh, when I was at ITV and the new ITV logo came in, which I thought was great. It's really versatile and different kind of shades for drama and entertainment and stuff. And people were moaning, you know, or the, the London 2012 logo, all this kind of thing. So what kind of reaction did you get? Were people very positive? Yeah, the conversation broadly like? very positive. And I think because staff and students care about the place and know that it realise that it doesn't have the profile that we want it to have and that it should have. So mostly people got behind us and could see what we were trying to do. Um, you mentioned kind of people's allegiance to brands. And I think if there was any adverse reaction, I think a couple of alumni got in touch to say, no, don't get rid of the crest because that was, you know, quite rightly, and you're an alum, Sue, it's, that was part of your experience while you were at the university. And then that's now changing. So that can be difficult to get your head around. But a few people have got in touch with me since then to say, you know, actually, I wasn't sure at first, but now I really like it. So we've done well with this brand. We haven't had a that much of a negative response. I mean, if you, if you Google university brands that have got rebrands that haven't worked, you'll see a whole plethora of places that haven't done so well. Um, and there's some really famous stories in there. You know, the University of California in America is one of them, but there are a few in the UK as well. No, we've been broadly very well received. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I imagine with Cambridge University, if people try and mess with any college logos, they'd have a bit of a stiffer fight. But yeah. you've got the advantage because you're more, more new. And people it's want a modern university, yeah. Contemporary university, yeah. And I think some of the universities that were formerly polytechnics and became university, were granted university status in early 90s, it was sometimes difficult for them to work out where to place their brands because often they were in cities where the existing university already had a claim to that 
name. So University of Glasgow or Manchester or Southampton, whatever it might be. So the Polytechnics rebranded uh, to become universities and took on different names, sometimes you know regional sounding names like Anglia Ruskin University. And maybe that wasn't going to serve us going forward. It's a bit of a difficult name to, to talk about globally because it isn't an actual place. So hence reason why we've decided to shorten to ARU and to really embed that brand. And for you, um, going back to your enormous, the project that you went through, did you have any resistance or any bumps in the road or any challenges over the way that you had to really sort of fight to overcome? Like any massive development, there will always be time delays, you know, and that was probably the major effect because we were about a year delayed actually on opening. We should have opened on 2017 we opened in in August 2018 and you just have to have patience there's nothing you can do it's out of your hands delays happen and that was probably the the major thing because we'd we'd already started you know 2016 going out into the market saying look we're going to be open this is who we are this is our brand this is you know we had all our photography ready and our branding book and these are the pretty pictures and this is what it's going to look like and they were like oh I can't wait till it be opened Oh, yeah, and then it's going to be a delayed and, and then another delay. So from that side, that was probably the largest area is just making sure you, you had that patience, but you kept going into the market to say, look, we are coming, we are coming. For us as well, we had to re-educate our guests coming through the doors because the University Arms, like we said before, was a bit of an unloved hotel. The rates were slightly cheaper than what they are now. So, of course, the guests kind of automatically thought, oh, this is what you're going to be again, and, and we're not. So we had to reinvent ourselves, explain kind of what we are now, and, you know, follow that through. And then also the t- two brands, people kind of got the hotel. It's a four-and-a-half-star luxury hotel. You could see by the prices online straight away. Parker's Tavern took a little bit longer for people to understand. You know, we're not a fine dining. Tristan has done this fantastic English brasserie. And the word tavern seems like, you know, is it a pub? So some people said, oh, we're coming into a posh hotel. It's got to be fine dining. Others are like, oh, it's a, it's a pub. And it took us a little bit of time to get that traction within the the local area because 80% of our business through Parker's Tavern is local business, which is exactly what you want. You don't want to rely on the hotel guests to put bums on seats, basically, in, in the restaurant. But you had to educate them to what we are. And that took a little time. And then, of course, now it's there and it's up and running and you walk around. It must be really wonderful feeling. Uh, it, it's, look, it's, it's been super wonderful uh, opening a hotel of, of this calibre. You know, not, not just the money spent, but working with John Simpson, Martin Brzezinski, you know, our, our PR team have done a wonderful job getting us there. And then to welcome the guests and the feedback we've got, you know, is, is absolutely fabulous. And we can't just stop there, though. We've now got to develop what are we going to do next? You know, what are we going to do in the local city? What can we actually do on Parker's piece? Because it's right next door. You've got this historic piece of ground. You know, we we need to make sure that we're developing it and putting it forward to the city. And just thinking about the money, let's just strip it back down to the essentials. So imagine people are listening, maybe in a startup or they're a freelancer, and they haven't got these sort of budgets that you might have to play with. So what are those essentials that you think, Sally, that, that make for a really successful brand? 
Yes, well, gosh, I, I don't have Ian's budget at all. <laughs> we didn't spend anything near that. And actually, it's, it's quite difficult to quantify because we did a lot of the work in-house and we were rolling out on our existing channels. So, you know, putting this onto the website, putting this onto our social media, that was all free. And we used a brand agency to help us develop the logo, the hair in itself. But I think if you're looking at essentials, and I think Ian picked up this point earlier, it's so right, you have to pace yourself. You, you're, not, you're never going to do it all in a short space space of time and really the work is never done it's an ongoing piece we are quite a complex organization spread across four campuses ARU Cambridge Chelmsford London Peterborough so the physical kind of rebranding of each of those places is, is quite an in-depth piece of work if you're looking at all of your signage all of your channels I think what I did was to break it down into easy chunks so we started off getting this out into market because that was absolutely key that we captured those people um, in clearing and actually it's been super successful we had a 34%, I think, increase in acceptances through clearing this year based on the previous year. So the proof's in the pudding with all these things, and it's, that's been fantastic so far. So really, it was about doing an internal piece first. Comms with staff is vital so that you're bringing people with you on the journey and nobody feels they don't know what's going on. And then it's working. It's a really exciting project because you're working across collaboratively with lots of different departments. So working with the web team, for example, to get the brand rolled out onto the website, working with the internal comms team, on the intranet, working with the marketing team, making sure it looks good out there in brand in all of your collateral and um, at all of your events. You know, when people come onto campus, they want to see that it's it's branded. Um, so yeah, it's it's a big piece, but you have to kind of chunk it up into sizable, manageable bites. That you can't do it all at once. And then how about Ian? If someone's got 80 quid rather than 80 million, <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, yeah, absolutely. then what are, say, three things that they could do to make sure that everything is clear and bold and consistent and memorable? I, I think, first of all, look at your positioning. Where do you want to position yourself in, in the market? And, you know, that's majorly important. And stick with it. Once you know where you want to go, don't deviate. Look at your positioning and then go, okay, for my positioning, where do I want to go? And then you can then formulate your marketing plans. Also, if you've decided on a colour, then you, you stick with it. Don't start deviating. Try to keep it as simple as possible. We only have one main colour. We then have the typeface can either be in gold and black. That's it. There's not a mixture. You keep it simple. You educate the teams as they come in, because obviously if you're going to employ team members, they need to understand it. And you take them through that journey and then they will deliver that for you. I think if you start cloudying the, the waters, it, it just gets mixed. And I think what you said as well, Sally, you know, it's got to be time related, but you've just got to keep what you believe is, is right. Yeah, pick out your most important things. But first of all, I would almost take one step back and ask yourself, for people out there thinking of this, do you even need to rebrand because it's a significant piece of work? Or do you actually just need to revisit your marketing and look at your targeting, your segmentation, whatever it might be? Um, to undertake a full rebrand is quite a big piece and it's it's either useful, you know, for example, Ian, you're setting up a new restaurant from scratch or a new business. Yes, obviously, then you need to develop a brand. But for lots of other people, there may be tweaks, there may be just to focus on marketing better rather than a rebrand. There's no point kind of throwing baby out with the bathwater. Um, you're so right about keeping on Pantone colour and on 
target with all of your brand guidelines because otherwise you create this confusing sense for customers that they don't know if they're looking at the same organization and for us that is really key we've got lots of content producers lots of marketeers across the university so we did a really in-depth piece of comms around how to use the brand all of the guidelines all of the assets are available on a digital management system online for people to use and download so we made it as easy as possible for people to get hold of the tools so they don't need to go off brand and create something and colleagues really, I found, generally want to use the brand properly. They don't want to do anything wrong. So I think giving people the tools and telling them the story was is the right thing to do. Be proud of it. You know, shout about it. This is what we are. You know, we're good at what, what we do. Yeah. And, you know, that's half the, the battle. Just believe in exactly what you, you want to do and then, and then stick with it as well. Wonderful. I think that's a really good point to uh, bring it to a close. So thank you so much, Ian. Thanks for coming in. Absolute pleasure, sir. And thank you, Sally. Thank and you. Uh, that's the Business of Cambridge. And thank you so much for all your tips and insights. Thank you very much. Thanks. listening to episode four of the business of cambridge that was ian james and sally webster and you can see their work at universityarms.com and aru.ac.uk in previous episodes of this series we've discussed all sorts of issues networking and meeting other people running local businesses with vari russell from grub club and obi naha from cambridge wireless we heard tips on growing your business with Breckland Orchards' Claire Martinson and Oliver Thame from the group that runs the smokehouse chain and chop houses in Cambridge. And we've focused on how you build the right kind of working environment with Saul Nasse of Cambridge Assessment and James Parton, who's the MD of the Bradfield Centre. All of these programmes are available to download or to stream right now from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google or through your favourite podcast provider. You can subscribe as well so you won't miss out on any of our future episodes and of course you can hear all of them right here on FM and DAB through Cambridge 105 Radio. Coming up we've got retail, we've got finance, we're going to be talking about innovation and how you develop a business in Cambridge from people who've actually been there and done it. Next time I'll have with me the well-known jeweller Harriet Kelsall and also John Hoyle from the new retail space Souk. So do join me for that. I'm Sue Keogh and The Business of Cambridge is a TDC production for Cambridge 105 Radio.